0: Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Dr. Patrick M. Duffy Jr. Dr. Duffy is a licensed clinical psychologist and the author of the new book, Parenting Your Delinquent, Defiant, or Out-of-Control Teen. Hi, Patrick. Welcome to Family Confidential.
1: Hi, Annie. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for writing this important book. You know, and I'm I'm thinking about how challenging teenage years are for the teens and for their parents as well. And here you have focused on a subset of that challenging population, maybe even the most challenging, talking about delinquent and out-of-control teens. So can you please tell me briefly, um, how did you get involved in what is probably really challenging work?
1: Well, um, you know, I always, um, you know, way back, I didn't really know what I wanted to do and I always enjoyed working with kids and, uh, went to work for Department of Mental Health here locally. And I was working in an alternative school for this population and I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, there was something about them and their spirit and working with them and the gains that you see when, you know, sometimes they're small, but, um, You know, it's rewarding when you can see someone do well, whether they get a job or whether they're doing better in school, um, getting along better with their family. It's just an opportunity um, to really make a difference, and um, I find it to be an enjoyable population.
0: Well, I'm really glad there are thoughtful people like you who are working with them because I know they need a lot of work, and the parents do too. I can imagine that it would be extremely frustrating to feel as a parent that your words are not being heard, that you're being defied right and left, and, um, and I know there's probably a lot of research that's happened recently that is maybe changing some of the thinking behind um, the causes of this kind of behavior for the teens. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering how you bring that research to the parents who need it most.
1: Well, um, you're right. There's a lot of research that's out there as far as what's contributing to the behavior, um, and, you know, a lot of what happens with families and parents is they're not really sure where the behavior comes from. They're frustrated mm-hmm. and they're trying to uh, make a difference. And all they see is the behavior continue um, and they don't have an understanding of why. So what the research allows us to do is explain the behavior. Essentially, um, we can look at each child and see how it um, plays into their particular circumstances and we're just saying that under these conditions where we can predict that this child's going to do this. Um, and so by being able to lay out what those conditions are, it helps explain the behavior, but it also gives a roadmap to the parents of, well, if we can start to change some of these influences on the child's behavior, we would expect to see some behavior change. And so it really gives them some sense of hope that they've got some power to control some of those things and to change the behavior.
0: And I would imagine in talking to the teens as well, you give them a sense of what they can control in terms of the environment, their triggers, and, and the choices that they make.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think that um, giving them, for some, it may be skills, for some, seeing that they've got some opportunities to do well. Uh, for others, you know, it may just be having people reinforce the appropriate behavior, uh, makes me think of, you know, one child we, that was out of school and had been out of school for several weeks. And it was hard to get the child going back to school. She felt really alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and in being able to explain that, we're able to get somebody in, in this case, a school principal was willing to meet the child and greet her at the door and say, Hey, I'm glad you're here. Um, let me walk you to your class. And, and so it just depends on what it is and valuing what the child says as well. And we really try and bring the parents into anything like that. So the parent then is going to be in touch with the school principal to make sure everything's going well, just kind of um, having those influences all work together.
0: So in terms of nature versus nurture, um, early signs, and, and how parents can can distinguish between, you know, a child having a meltdown at age two versus what starts to become a pattern of obstinacy. Um, What kind of guidelines can you help us with?
1: Um, You know, there are definitely kids that have um, different temperaments and they bring something else to the equation from another kid. Um, You know, what we tend to see is that kids that end up being uh, falling into the delinquency pattern later in life start earlier and they may start getting in trouble. Um, They lack social skills. And in situations that maybe could be managed better by somebody about their age, they may respond aggressively. Um, and what we see is that they get marginalized at a younger age and they may get pushed into um, special ed classes and things like that where they're surrounded by other kids with the same behaviors or skill deficits or whatever it may be um, for them. And it sets them on a trajectory really to be associating with the um, other kids that are marginalized and getting in trouble. And what the research tells us is that the biggest predictor of juvenile delinquent behavior or the most direct is who they're hanging around with. And so if they're being pushed into those um, special classes early, we're kind of setting them up for that later on.
0: So what I hear you saying is that maybe the idea of um, specialized classes for kids who have, quote unquote, issues um, is not the best approach in your in your estimation?
1: That's a great question. And, you know, I think that it's really an insane that I'm going to be sure that I narrow it down to the delinquency population. Okay. Uh, you know, there are certainly things that may fit for other kids. But what the research tells us on delinquency is that the biggest predictor is who they hang around with. And if you look at what we do with that population, we tend to force that association with um, delinquent peers, whether we put them in different classes, sometimes specialty schools. Um, or different group treatments, we're actually forcing them to hang around in the peer situations that we know predict offending.
0: Okay, I'm going to take the point of view of a teacher who has like 25 or 28 kids in his or her class. And there's this one kid who's just always disruptive, um, challenging boundaries, and the rules don't apply to him or her. And from the teacher's perspective, their happiest day is when that kid is not there. Um, right. They complain to the principal, and and nothing seems to happen. From the teacher's perspective, and and to, well, let's let's get real here to help this child. What mm-hmm. would you, what would you recommend?
1: Um, you know what we find is that first of all, um, absolutely understanding the teacher's um, feelings. You know, they, it's exhausting work to begin with, and you add in. Um, a, behavior problem and it's just tiring. Um, the most effective thing for the child would be rather than put them in a setting where they're surrounded by other kids that are getting in trouble, uh, we may make some adjustments in where they sit in the classroom um, so it's that easy. they're not surrounded. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, So maybe they're not surrounded by the kids that are egging them on right now. But A lot of what happens for teachers is that they don't feel supported by home. They're working in a silo and home's doing what they're doing. So the most effective strategy is to have them on the same page and try and get the family and the school working well together on a coordinated plan with um, frequent um, communication, whatever the frequency of the behavior tells us that it needs to be. But we know that the one thing everybody wants is for this child to do well and succeed. Yeah. Um, and so if we can get them working together where school feels more supported by what's happening at home and home can reinforce the situation in school, um, we're going to get better results for that child than we are if we surround them by kids that think what they're doing is great.
0: And where does the child fit into this this team effort?
1: Um, you know, if we can get the child on board yeah, you know, that's fantastic. Part of what we want to do is identify things for the child that you know they may. Um, you know, for them it might be, I want my parents to stop yelling at me. And, yeah, you know, it yeah. May... I think
0: most kids would agree that they would like less of that. So you, you, right. Let's start with
1: what, what what we can all agree on as a good goal. <laughs> Absolutely, and then okay. Well, what's it going to take to have that happen? And mm-hmm. you know, here here are the rules. But also that gives us some insight into what's happening with the family. Um, we, I don't want parents yelling at the child and they don't want to do it either. Right. And what we know is that what they've been doing hasn't been very effective. Right. So I would want to get them to do something different. That's going to be more effective. That doesn't rely on the yelling. Um, part of what we would look for again would be um, some reinforcement that might be desired by the child. Certainly their input on what's effective there is going to make a difference. They also give us some input on what's happening in the classroom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, If there is a particular peer that's you know, pushing their buttons, then the child's the only one that may know that, and that's helpful information. Um, so they're a part of you know, this system, and we need to have their input as well. Um, it's also true that a lot of times they don't like it <laughs> because they're having a good time with their friends. and, mm-hmm. and you know, um, So it's one where as much as we can get them engaged in it, the better. Um, but what we're talking about doing is is making changes around the child so that the behavior is no longer supported. And so their love for what we're doing isn't absolutely necessary.
0: Let's talk about some changes within the child. Um, what percentage of the population you work with have other issues? Um, diagnostic tests um, are seeming to to reveal many more cases of things like ADHD, attention mm-hmm. and learning issues that can make it really difficult for children who don't necessarily have a combative temperament to succeed in class. But if you add that on top of this temperament you're talking about, it can be extremely challenging. So um, where does ADHD, for example, fit into this population?
1: Right in the center. (laughs) Um, One of the things that we know about, um, you know, if you look at the research on ADHD Um, what it tells us is that if the child is indeed ADHD, it's really important that they have a very structured environment. Um, that's not different from what we're talking about now. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it really blends in directly. And as you say, there's a lot of overlap, um, in, you know, ADHD conduct disorder. You know, they, they get thrown together a lot. Um, or they show up together a lot, I should say. Um, but yeah, it's very much the same part of what we want to do is we want to be very clear in what the expectations are, um, more frequent reinforcement or feedback on the behavior, um, let them know very clearly what they can expect. And, you know, for a case like that, the child and their ability, um, to slow down their impulses comes into play too. Um, so part of what we might need to do would be work with them on some skills to slow down and stop being so impulsive. How do they stop and think? A lot of things that are already done, mm-hmm. but we just might build into where that's part of what's tracked at school. So that maybe if the teacher sees the child using one of the strategies that we taught, you know, there's a reinforcement for that um we may also work with the teacher part of what happens with ADHD kids is they really aren't aware of what they're doing sometimes with, you know when they're moving and disruptive right. um and so if we're able to get the teacher just to give the prompt of hey you know whether it's a hand signal or whatever it might be so that you don't embarrass the child Good point. that this may be a time to try the strategy and you know so if it brings it then to mind and they're able to do it great that's a success um, and let's build in some reinforcement for that.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would also n- note that parents can also do that very discreet signal when they're um, at home or in public with their with their child, so that it doesn't escalate and become a shouting mm-hmm. match or a power a power trip back and forth, and um, the kid is spared from public shaming.
1: Completely agree, and that's one of the things that when we talk about discipline or teaching child skills. Um, we can predict that if it's done in front of friends or if it's done, you know, in public like that, it's probably not going to go very well. Um, and so part of what we work with families to do is to schedule when you're going to do it. That's all in your control. Um, and you know, if you're out in public, whether it's that you tug at your ear or something like that, that's discreet and the child knows, Hey, you, you know, you may want to try whatever the strategy is that's Mm -hmm. been agreed upon. Um, you don't call the child out in public and embarrass them.
0: Now, I'm thinking you probably work closely with parents about their buttons getting pushed so that they can self-regulate as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, the kids are good at that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, um, yeah, you know, I think for this to be effective, you know, parents, there are things that get in their way of doing the things that we would like them to do. One is kids are very good at pushing their buttons. Um, One of the things that we know about that in interactions among people in general is that they tend to follow particular patterns and or particular sequences. And so parents can identify and predict where it's going to happen. So I know when I tell my child that he can't go to the party this weekend, that he's likely to start yelling at me and it's going to escalate. So if they go in being prepared for that and they can predict it, they can remove themselves a little bit easier from the scenario before everybody's anxiety is up and it becomes an emotional situation. Um, There are also those cues and parents recognize them. They get to a point in the the process where they're saying, here we go again. Um, And so that's, they recognize the cues that sequence is building up. And so at that point, maybe they can get themselves out of the situation. We may also adjust it where, for example, maybe there's a neighbor or a spouse or whoever it might be that can be a support to be there and help them flag, hey, all right, you said what you need to say. Now let's get out of here before it escalates into an argument that nobody wants.
0: That's really, really good advice. That's good for parents of any teen, any kid. Those button pushing moments um, rarely put us at our best parenting. <laughs> right,
1: absolutely. So, so if there
0: was one takeaway, you could have for my viewers and listeners about parenting this challenging group of teens or parenting teens in in general? What would that be, Patrick?
1: Um, You know, I think that parenting, well, the challenging or um, in general, number one is, you know, well, you said one. (laughs) Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I think that they need to understand that they've got more power than they think they have. Ah. Um, You know, they're the most powerful people in the child's life. Um, and that the kids still seek their approval, um, and so that they can set clear ideas for what they want to see happen, and they've got the ability to enforce it. Um, one of the biggest things, if we're talking about the delinquent population, is where they go and who they spend time with. You know, maybe they get home by 9 o'clock or whatever curfew time is, but if they were out with the delinquent group, you can still get in a lot of trouble before 9 o'clock. Um, so we want them to be aware of that. And, you know, it's a pretty daunting task too. Sometimes it's exhausting work. Um, and you know, the old statement of it takes a village, but you know, who's there that can help you, whether it's just to pick up the phone and answer when you're having a tough day or encourage you saying, you know, I know you're having a tough time, but you're doing the right thing. Um, or who can help monitor, you know, the child after school, if you're working two jobs,
0: um, you know that's interesting that you say that about the village what came to mind instantly is sometimes when I'm at the checkout stand at the supermarket and I see um, a parent being challenged by usually a young child mm-hmm. right there at the moment they're hungry it's time to get home for dinner and the kid is doing something that you m- typically mom doesn't like um, when she responds in a way that I know is helpful I, I you know I just give her a look and I go good parenting oh that's that's great. <laughs>
1: yeah it 's nice when you see them do that, and you know that yeah. they're being strong in the face of what 's a tough situation for them
0: yeah and th- and I think that kind of reinforcement, especially since so many people feel judged by other parents in public when their kids are not behaving perfectly it it, it really helps to just um you yeah, know i 'd say this to all of us who are who are parents, um just to have an appreciation that just because the kid is acting out doesn 't mean you're you 've got a bad parent, in fact um they're doing their best and and it would be really helpful if you could just lend a little support.
1: I think that's a great point. You know, the self doubt comes into play. You're there, you're embarrassed because your child's yelling in the grocery store and, you know, you start, you just say, Oh, let me get out of here. And but if, you know, the people there are supportive of what you're doing, that's a great vote of confidence.
0: Yeah. It only needs to be a sympathetic look exchange with your mom. (laughs) It doesn't need to be a whole thing. And, um, Yeah, mom will get it. That's really, really cool. Um, Okay, Patrick. Well, we've got like just about one minute left, and I'd love for you to take this time um, as an opportunity to give our viewers and listeners some information about where they can find more resources from you. All right.
1: Um, Well, my uh, book is available um, on Amazon. They can find me on my website at drpatrickmduffy.com. I'm also available on Twitter at P. Duffy Psych and available through my publisher as well uh, through New Harpinger Publications and um, certainly happy to respond to anything that you send me and I appreciate your time.
0: Well I certainly appreciate the work that you're doing it's it's important for parents to feel supported and teachers as well and it's very important for kids to feel that the adults who live and work with them really care.
1: Absolutely and thank you.
0: This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with parents of tweens and teens, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my parenting book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People, Progressive Parenting for the 21st Century. And my new book for tween girls, the girls' Q&A book on friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. And if you like this podcast, and we hope you do, please consider rating us on iTunes. It may seem like a little thing to you, but it will mean an awful lot to us. Family Confidential Podcast is produced by Electric Eggplant, creators of books and apps for parents, kids, tweens, and teens. And tune in next time when my guest will be Katherine Ellison. Katherine is a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and the author of the new book, ADHD, What Everyone Needs to Know. Until next time, happy parenting.